Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I'm your host, Doug Winters, and we're up to episode 43. As you know, I've been waiting for a while to do a deep dive into the world of destination weddings. And there really is no more perfect guest to guide us through the uncharted waters of destination weddings than Jennifer Zabinski, founder and owner of Jay-Z Events. She's well-established as one of the world's premier wedding producers all over the globe. And it really was an honor to sit down and talk with her. She's the very definition of wedding wisdom, which is why I started the podcast in the first place. So sit back, relax, take out your iPad and start taking some notes. Here's my conversation with the one and only Jennifer Zabinski. All right, so the, the idea of the podcast is yes. that I've, I've had a band in New York for the past 25 years. We've played everywhere. So I was able to call Bill Spinner because we've played at the pier a hundred times. I was able to call Harriet, you know, mm-hmm. even though she wasn't recommending me, you know, <laughs> you know but, but she knew who I was. I realize that this is a multi-billion dollar industry, if not, I can't even imagine how much it is, yeah. you know, with all these destinations, which is one of the things I want to talk to you about. Okay. And no one was treating this like a business, and it's like gigantic business, and it employs thousands and thousands of people. And even, it's growing. So how long have you been doing this, and how did you get to be like one of the queen bees so uh, quickly? You're so young. No, I've been doing this almost 20 years now. Wow. So okay. I am not that young. I branched out into my firm uh, nine, ten years ago. Jay-Z Events. Jay-Z Events, yes. What had happened was I had only done weddings um, for the first 11 years and my clients were getting older and were not getting married. And so they just kept approaching me to do milestone celebrations, nonprofit events. You know, once you do someone's wedding, I think it's a great platform um, to springboard into other parts of someone's life. Because Because they get to know you very well. Very well. All of the nuances. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, that is one of the greatest, you know, accomplishments is when I do get to work with families for many, many years and see their families grow. And um, it's very rewarding. And it's why I keep doing what I am doing, because I love it. I had one mother of a bride who was planning her second daughter's wedding and both of her in-laws were sick at the time. So she happened to um, not be as available for this second daughter as she was with the first. And when she came in for a fitting for her daughter's dress, you know, we went through everything that we had done and, um, you know, she was like welled up and she said, I feel terrible. I haven't been involved as much as I was with my first daughter's wedding. And I said, don't worry, I channel a good you. And (laughs) which is very true. So you know how she thinks. I know how she thinks. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everyone thinks differently and everyone prioritizes things differently. And it's my job to really navigate through that and curate things that are going to work and be important to them. Because I always say things are important in any event that you do, the decor, the photography, the music, but people prioritize how those things fall and how they want to allocate resources to each one of those components. And so it's my job to, you know, help them through and educate them um, to understand what goes into certain numbers. I always figure that the success of a party is judged by the amount of people on the dance floor at a given time. 
Yeah. My philosophy. I think everyone's different. Um, and part of my process with clients is really to get to know them. And I think a wedding should be an elevated extension of how they live their day-to-day lives. And um, I I like that because your guests feel if your event doesn't have your stamp and seal and your integrity. And so to me, if you're a foodie and that's how people know you, food needs to take a bigger part of the event. Um, You know, I also caution people that if you're into eclectic music in your day to day time set by 200 people, if they don't know that might not be the best platform, but there are ways to sprinkle it in a way that doesn't kill your vibe. So, um, thank you. you know, and then some people, you're a gift to all musicians. Well, thank you. <laughs> but you know, some people also really feel like photo is the, you know, biggest part. That's what they're going to be left with are those images. And then you have some that they want it encrusted in flowers and really don't care about the food all that much. So everyone really does have a different set of parameters. And for me, as my role as the producer, I really need to educate people on all of those components and give them pros and cons to where things fall. And, you know, there are definitely, you know, ranges of where things fall, whether it be photo, whether it be music, whether it be designers. Right, so let's assign the, the categories. Music. Photography. Video. Okay. Especially now with technology and drones and all of that, I think video is becoming much more of a player um, and something that people think about, especially if it's a destination where you can fly drones. and Drones? Drones. You just get that aerial or time lapses where if you're doing a big build out um, to see something from going from the, you know, flooring of a tent to this magnificent structure that's built. Which takes days. It could take a month. It could take a month and a half. It could take a crane bringing it in over your tennis court. Lots of things. So to capture that progress is oh, that's, fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think entertainment overall is not just music mm-hmm. um, for any event. Mm-hmm. It is interactive. It is live characters. It's definitely not just about music anymore, that people want it to be something that is interactive. Um, for example? Live statues for something that is part of a theme um event like a birthday party where you're having people greeting everyone and they're greeting in one different type of costume and the waiters are part of that as well. And really decor is about how everything comes together. And so it's what the waiters wear. It's what the tables are set with. It's how the, it all is my philosophy and sorry for the musician that you are. (laughs) But to me, I think if any event people leave with saying the wedding was amazing or that event was amazing because of X, the food, the band, and they highlight just one thing, then it was a miss. A successful event should leave people with, it was such an amazing event and everything. What a team. Yeah. And so if one thing is overshadowing everything else, then either those other things did not live up to it. So to me, everything needs to, if 
very one thing shouting out to be the best part of an well, event. What I, what I really meant was like when you leave the party, if you say I had a great time, it means you were on the dance floor a lot. And some people might not be dancers, but they had a great time because the energy was so great. And yes, that energy comes from music. It comes from what you see, what you smell, what you hear, what you taste. All of those things need to be, it's like a good musical piece. It all has to be in sync. I got to tell you something really funny. The I've been doing this for like a year and a half now. And every event planner, producer, party planner, whatever... They want to call everyone themselves. Likes, exactly. Yes. Everyone likes them. So you like to be called event producer, just producer. Producer. I like it. Kate Edmonds told me a wedding is like producing a Broadway show with no dress rehearsal, which I thought was brilliant. Yes, it's and, true. Because it's really, really, really true. I mean, and so you are the producer. Mm -hmm. So you're in charge of everything. Yes. And I think a lot of people don't kind of appreciate that or think about that. They think of a party planner. It's like... I mean, from a vendor perspective. They're, Two words that people way. hate in this industry, I think, is the name party, party planner, planner. <laughs> and vendor. So you said them both in. That's so funny. And I keep I always, wanting to. I hate vendor. I know. It's so, yes. And party planner, like, the what same am I, thing. What a hot dog salesman? Yeah. You know? So it's, I wish we can come up with a different term. I know. No one seems to be able to. No. But producer is really it. Yes. Because if you look at you're talking what to we're... It might sound too lofty, you know? But I think if you think of it this way, um, whether you want me to be called the camp counselor or, you know, the kindergarten teacher, if I was to ask, you know, all of the different people that you pull in to do an event, yeah. lighting will say lighting's the most important thing. A band will oh, say right, band. Right, right. And it's my job for them all to play nicely in the sandbox. Oh, that's that. I love that. And it's my role to see how it's going to flow, especially for an install, um, because it is the production schedule is so crucial. If you're looking at a tent, the tent has to come in first and then carpeting needs to be brought in, lighting needs to be brought in, the catering and the rentals need to be brought in. Generators. Generators, decor. You know, and all of those things, again, can drive up a budget so quickly because I think in this industry, one of the most expensive things is labor. And so we're always trying to do it faster right. and with less bodies. And if your production schedule isn't tight, inherently you're going to need more labor and you're oh, going to need more time. Right. And so everything that is really, really um, a key. So it's, it really has to act like a team. Yeah. It's like building a house. Yeah. And that's where building a team is so important because weather could be an issue and that means you're behind and carpeting could have held one day for you to install. And now the tent is behind and carpeting can't come in. So what are you going to do to make up that time and who's going to shift in? Oh God. So it's definitely a different animal than walking into a ballroom. And that's where, for me, I really love the challenge of doing different installations, working in different parts of the world where it's not four walls. You might be creating the four walls. You may be in a desert. You may be, you know, on the Amalfi Coast where everything needs to be brought in via barge or boat. You know, it just depends. And to me, that's logistics is what I love. With all of the challenges that come along with it. 
So take me through a destination wedding. Take me, take me to the Amalfi Coast. Isn't that what Lake Como is? No. Um, it is where Capri is, Ravello, Positano. So a couple of things with the destination. I think when you're looking with a client who is hoping for a destination event, um, everyone des- defines destination differently. Some people want it to be a nonstop direct flight. Some people want it to be where English is the predominantly spoken language. Oh, interesting. Some people want it to be less than three hours and a less than 30 minute drive once they get there. Amalfi is none of those things. Oh, <laughs> so logistics. Logistics. Go, all like, goes back yeah. to logistics. So A, it is a part of the world that has a very short window of when it is and is not in business. So, you know, it becomes alive in May and ends in the end of October. That means that people take a lot of time off. Um, So getting answers and getting things done in those off seasons, which is more than half the year, um, is challenging. So I'm scouting currently in Capri this August for a June wedding, but we need to do all of our site visits before October because the island shuts down. Literally. Pretty much, yeah. So, um, Capri, that must be unbelievably it, gorgeous. It is unbelievably gorgeous and unbelievably challenging to work. Okay, so what's the first step? You show them pictures of places that you might have known, or they might have a place in mind, and you fly out there together. How did? I've done both. I've done people who've said to me, "Scout first." come back with a handful of options, Mm -hmm. then we'll go visit those options together. I have people where they know Capri, but everything really comes with starting to think about your guest list, who can and cannot travel. Um, You know, that is a key component. Um, Also, people have to understand what it is like to get to a place. I always say you need to travel as if you were your guest when you're scouting. So if you are a person attending the wedding and you're exhausted, guess what? Your guests are going to be exhausted as well. So you have to navigate all of those things. So do your guests, do you need to build in time for your guests to acclimate? Um, Again, everyone- Because they may be world travelers and it's no big deal for them. But- For other people, it could be a big deal. And I always say the most sophisticated of people travel differently. Everyone has different thresholds for travel. And not that you should be planning an event based on the threshold of your guests. It's just something that you need to keep in mind. So, you know, then you go and I always, when I'm looking at a location, I first find where the wedding is going to be and then back into the events that surround it. Oh, so you have to find where right. the wedding is going to be. Right. And so in a place like Capri, where the season is short and people are repeat travelers, oh, a lot of places are booked and they don't want wedding business or event business in season because they're regular repeat travelers oh, yeah, that come sure. at year after year. They don't want to displace them. So a lot of times you need to be able to educate to clients who feel like even if they're paying a premium, someone may not want their business in season because it's not worth the loss of a loyal client. And so it is an education, it's a balance, and it's finding 
places that can accommodate, it's a puzzle. So it's again my. Do you have to be able to speak the language at all, or or is yes pretty much no. everyone speaking English? I not in Italy. They don't all speak English. I always uh, partner with an on-ground local planner. I always look oh, to see smart. what uh, local resources are there. So you know when you're looking at Capri, where everything needs to come on island and has to be brought in by boat, you know to work with a floral company that's on Capri who can receive your flowers is a huge benefit. And so when I was doing last year, we were on the Amalfi Coast with Preston Bailey and we just, you know, Preston was able to partner with people because it, again, he knows everyone, he knows everyone and he's the most amazing. So, you know, we were able to look at the resources because, you know, it's going to save again, time, money, and you just don't necessarily have the time if you're bringing everything in. So it's always great, no matter where you are in the world, is to look at what is available locally, how to support that, and where you can't support it, what you then need to bring in. And so when someone's looking at how to define a budget when it comes to a destination, those things are very important to know upfront because if you're looking in a place where they do have a sound company on island or a lighting company on island. That's a great savings. It might not be ideally what you would have from a New York City sound company, Mm -hmm. but how can you utilize some of the product and ship less of the product? Right. Or are you in a place where there is no sound company and you have to barge everything in? You know, so that is... Like barge in from... Rome or Miami something? or oh oh my god or you know like not Miami to Rome but okay, um but London you know London something. a yeah. lot of musicians from in Italy come from Paris or London mm-hmm. so you know all of those things cost money and so luckily we have clients that are aware of those costs going in because if you don't have a good working knowledge of destinations, those are sometimes hidden costs that you're not going to be aware of. VAT and taxes and currency fluctuation Uh, and locking currency currency in at a given time versus... And plane fares. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Doing it in advance and, and having to have a save the date and all that. So, So someone has to kind of commit early, right? Yeah. So it definitely is a different type of planning. And for me, that's what I love to do as well. Um, Before this, I was in the hotel industry. So I understand what goes into back of house as well as front of house. So I have a good working knowledge of operations. And I think that operations is a great... Which work? I worked for the Ritz-Carlton. I worked for the Four Seasons. So I've always been in oh, the luxury yeah, nice. market, yeah. um, which I is... I love the Four Seasons. Some of the best parties I ever did were at the Four Seasons. Yeah. I always say they really embrace the city that they are in. So it's not just walking into a Four Seasons. It has the sa- a service that is consistent. Right. But the culture and the vibe takes on exactly. the environment that it's in. And you know you're in. at the Four Seasons. It's sort of like being at the Rainbow Room. Right, definitely. And you know what those names are in Capri, or it's not necessarily the same thing? 
Like it's more important in Beverly Hills or in New York or in Chicago. No, Capri, I think, is like Beverly. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. It is New York in the summer. Um, it's like East Hampton. Yes. Okay. Definitely, you're running into people at restaurants that you know from really? New York City. Yes. Okay. Um, but in more remote places, you do. You know, I think for any when you're assembling a team yeah. with a destination, people have to understand that it's going to be that much more work. It just, the unknown is definitely unknown. And so you're on that ground working. There are always going to be surprises. You always have to have contingencies. Um, so to me, that's the fun of it and the yeah, challenge, yeah, yeah. but you have to be prepared and build a great team that realizes that it's not just walking in and playing four hours in a band set that I you know. might need to arrive hours early yeah. because that ferry or we're getting a boat to bring you all in and that's it. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I've had parties like literally just on, on Fire Island and Martha's Vineyard and you know, there 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 have been parties that I couldn't do because they literally said there's none enough hotels to Put you people yeah. and the party ends before the last shuttle goes back to right. Long Island. And you're always, as a client, you're always paying a premium because you you need to fly in everyone within you know at least 24 hours before the event is starting, so that you can be on the ground right and prepare for any weather related issues or electrical stuff, you know, as they say in France, they never strike in bad weather. They only strike in good weather. And so <laughs> I've been doing a 250 person event for days and had, uh, the Nice taxi commission no, strike, strike against Ubers, um, in the day. So how do you then move 250 people? And when they strike, in Europe, they strike. They block all of the entrances. No, you're not going. The airport it. is closed off to wow. people. Uh, yeah, they can't get past the airport. No, they block it all off. They wow. just have, you know, a sea of taxis come. And as an American, I was like so shocked. I'm like, how can this be happening? Um, yeah, but they, I said, if there was an emergency, what would happen? And there's police there, and they would let them in. But basically, oh, they right. block yeah. off every entrance and exit with taxis, wow. so that Ubers could not get in. Yeah, so incredible. That sounds like you've been through this already. <laughs> I have. Yes, you just you know have what had. Did you do? I had staff sleep in the airport, so it, and we had a green room so that when people who were flying from all over the world to get in had at least a, a place to sit to with fresh towels, fresh water. How do you arrange for a green room in in an in Italian airport? <laughs> it's about having good on-ground support who okay. knows the system. Oh, so you're yeah. not some stranger calling from Manhattan Correct. saying, I yeah. need this, I need that. And that's why you're really embracing and having people embrace you is so important because that's going to what's going to get you through. Jesus, that's... Yeah. So what is... All right, so anything outside what's considered a destination like anything that's i mean the not Hamp drivable no the hamptons is destination the hamptons considered destination yeah. yeah and definitely one that people don't think it is a destination i know but it is you know for your guest in season 
it's a three night minimum for your guests and hotels. I know. I had a place in East Hampton for years. Yeah. My wife and I and two kids, we, we were never there on weekends. It was actually very funny because I was working every single weekend. And so we'd be there literally, literally Tuesday through Friday. We'd always miss the traffic. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. So I never really thought of it as a destination place. But I know there's very few places to stay. Very few, very expensive very and expensive. high minimums. Right. And, um, you know, for, again, the people who will be doing your wedding, I'm trying not to use the word vendors, um, they need to have their team sleep over. And so right. then, right. you know, you're looking at at least a 30-minute drive sometimes. Yeah, like if you're hiring a photographer, it's one, maybe two people. Right. But if you're hiring a band, if you're a band, it could be or, 10 to 15 with a sound company, with this, with the trucks, and it could be. Or a tent team that's, you know, 30 uh, people, or yeah. a lighting company, or a decor company that's coming out. All of those people need, it's a destination. They need places to stay. They need food. They need per diems. They need oh, all of those wow. things. So, yeah. you know, the Hamptons is definitely not an inexpensive destination it is you know and there are hardly any unless you have a home there are a handful of places that can accommodate a, an event so i think that's always the biggest challenge that people that has led people to destinations true destinations if you've grown up in the city um we're just limited on space we're limited on venues and if you're in a certain social demographic social strata yes and you've been to the Metropolitan Club, you've been to the Plaza, you've been to the PR, you've been to... You don't you want, want your wedding there. Yeah. yeah, you want something new. Yeah. And I think that's what people always are shocked, that there has to be that hidden place, that secret that someone's hiding. That no one's that ever... Never, no one's ever heard about. And I said, if no one ever heard about it, it would be There's so popular that <laughs> then it would not be wanted anymore. So it's... Unless you want to get married on safari yeah. in Africa or something. Yeah. I'm sure that's happened. It has. <laughs> it has? Yes. Again, people, you know, I think when you're looking to create something... Um, and depending on, again, where you've been and what you're used to. And if you're a traveler, people want to give guests something that's more than five hours. Mm -hmm. And so sure. they feel if they're spending that much money, they'd rather give people a once in a lifetime. Last year, we did um, an event on um, a ranch and it was all New Yorkers coming and people from Long Island and people from New York. And it was definitely a challenging place to get to. Um, Where was it? I'm just curious. What state? Oh, no, no. It was in Wyoming. Oh, like what's the, the, the famous place? Um, Not Paws Up. Okay. But another very high end okay. um, ranch where part of the ranch experiences is that there are, are morning activities and afternoon activities, everything from horseback archery, riding. horseback riding, paintball, hiking. And here you have all of these New Yorkers coming and the bride and groom were like, it's just going to be magical. And I think both sets of parents were like, 
definitely questioning what magic they their guests were going to be experiencing <laughs> what of magic? magic it was going to be and it was such a challenging place to get to and so you had to fly and then you had a 4 hour drive and i have to say what was the most interesting and rewarding part was that all of the guests had experienced something that they would have never booked on their own and they were so oh, happy nice. okay. with it because they made friends with other guests. They did activities that they would have never done before. And it, that's what the bride and groom wanted. Um, they wanted people to get out of their comfort zones or their zip codes and really make memories for people. And there are certain cities that make it hard to create a destination cohesiveness. So New York, LA, Miami, those are cities that when people are in them, they want to stay where they want to stay. <laughs> they want to dine where they want to dine. And so if you're looking for really everyone staying at the same property oh, and this, okay. you know, camp like right, right like a, summer like camp. a cohesive yeah, 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 yeah. community it's really hard to create that energy because people i'm going to stay at the four seasons i'm going to stay in malibu i'm going to stay at my friend's apartment right it's i want to go try this new restaurant i want to do but this. if you're in nowhere montana everyone's <laughs> together yes st bart's another place amazing but it's hard people will stay in their own villa so it's hard to create that cohesive oh so that's fun that's really interesting so that's really the the ultimate goal to in, some, a, in a destination to some not you know but if that's what they're looking to create there are certain cities that it's hard to create that environment so you almost by definition have to be a world traveler yes is that something you've always done or just became part of the once it became part of the business you said well I have to do this. I have no, to be an expert at it. It's always something that I was passionate about, hence my hotel background. And I just love the okay. whole travel. Oh, there are four seasons all over the world. There are. Yeah, yeah. And it was always something that I was just passionate about, people's cultures and looking how, pe how people live and what, you know, what is important in food in one part of the world versus another. And well, that's another thing. Do you try and make, like, the food? You want it to be local. I do a lot of work in Mexico. Not every meal needs to be Mexican food, but you want to give one night to the local nod, you know, so. <laughs> Dos Equis and tequila. Right. You know, if you want to create New York City in Mexico, why not stay in New York City? So right. oh, that's, you're right. exactly. you need to, again, have integrity with the environment too, because if not, you're going to always be fighting the environment inherently or spend a lot of money to cover it up. <laughs> And so what is the lead time that someone has to give you to plan a destination wedding? Usually nine months to a year. Okay, um, so not that much different than no. if they were getting married in New York. And sometimes people, you know, I always say I love short engagements um, and people have to be decisive. So yeah. anything can be done. The one thing I'll never understand is when someone says, oh, yeah, we're getting married in May of 2021. So why are you getting engaged now? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, why are you spending the next 20 months being engaged? I know. It's, I think sometimes where it makes sense Unless is, if someone's in medical school. Medical school. That's, yeah. Right. I think, because as I said, 
at one point you want to get on with the next stage of your relationship and not just be engaged. Cause no matter, even if you think you're not going to be thinking about it all the time, you are, you are. And yeah. so why do that to your relationship, yourself, your life, everything? I think it's, you know, you want to get to that next chapter. So, um, but then people are superstitious with dates and they want different things to go 11, 11, 11, you know, or things like that, right, that exactly, people exactly. really get into, um, don't understand that one, but you know, and that's, I think the beauty of what we do is every client is different. Yeah. And so it's us, you know, our job to get into their head and understand what's important to them. So who usually finds you? Is it the mother? Is it the bride? Is it the groom? You know, some of my biggest weddings are grooms that have found me because they were groomsmen or I remember one groom remembered I was like eight months pregnant <laughs> working in remote Vermont and like telling a tent company to hurry up. And I was out there. It's like 90 degrees. And, I just love that. and he was just like, when I get married, I'm going to have you plan my wedding. And I was yeah, like, yeah, I whatever. <laughs> and, and sure enough, he got me and I have a wedding just coming up as well in Rome. And the same thing, he was best friends of one of my brides and He's like, don't you remember I said I would hire you and I got engaged while well, I'm engaged. And so I think the guys are very aware of. Yeah, that's that's been a little tipping point over yeah. the past 10 years or so. Yeah, they're aware. And I think, you know, for me, someone has said to me once, why do I work with a lot of very powerful finance men and I'm like, I don't really know if that's the profile of my clients. But when I look back, I was like, yeah, I do have a lot of people. But I tend... Like hedge fund? Yes. I tend to not be... I I know to get right to the point. I understand numbers. I understand that end of it all. And so I guess like what you were saying with Vicky, you know, mm-hmm. knowing a spreadsheet and the ins and outs of a spreadsheet and that understanding what goes into numbers and to be able to speak to it intelligently where some might be emotional looking at numbers. Others are very tactile and they want to understand what goes into them. So I feel like I can speak that language. The one thing that's most esoteric or intangible, but is lighting. Can you talk to them a bit? Lighting needs to be used as a way to attract the eye and detract the eye. So if you want to hide something or make walls go away, (laughs) it's about focusing someone's visual to a place where you want them to see. So you have to ultimately illuminate the areas that you want to put and highlight and kind of make the other things quiet. Ooh, that's good. Been doing this for 20 years. And so lighting has to be the right lighting. Um, and I think there are some that over want to overlight a room and lighting should be a balance subtle. of both and subtle. Yeah. And with that, you know, it's anything what we do. And I love to mix high and low. And I think all of that balance makes everything look high better. High and low physically? Like No, high low in terms of not everything needs to be overdone. And I had one mother of a bride who was quite elegant and her daughter was wanted everything overdone and she said, 
you know, the eye needs a place to rest. Ooh, I like that. And so if you oversaturate things, as humans, Everything we can't take is, yeah. it all in. And I, as I said to you before, you know, you're stimulating people's senses. Yeah, it's like an assault on the senses. And you can't physically take it all in at once. So things need to change. They need to start slow and build up. They, you need to tra like transform areas. You need to surprise people. It definitely needs to be paced out. And so, again, I love her. The eye needs a place to rest. And that is so true. I so it can that. be, you know. That's a really artistic sense. Yes. That's a, that could be a museum curator. Yep. So that's kind of, I think, my philosophy with planning events and making people aware that some of the things that people hyper-focus on, people are never going to see. Like? Some napkin treatments, some oh, okay. big statements that are going to get lost because the view is so amazing that it can't compete. You know, I always say whether you're in a church or a synagogue, it still should look like a church in a synagogue. So you can spend a lot of money trying to make it look like something it's not. Right. But it they're all it's, like it's just gonna look house. like it's the gonna, elephant in the room. It's yeah. like lipstick on a pig. You're trying too hard. Yeah, it's just not good. So <sighs> But you really need to pace yourself. And I think we all live in such a social media world where everything is the way people want it to appear. Um, and so you can get caught up in like how one thing looks, um, but it's really about looking at the big picture. And I always say to, I always walk an event when I'm planning it as a guest, where do I need some sort of buffer or transition moment that's going to need to be softened so it doesn't feel awkward um, because if it's awkward for one person, times it by 200 and it's very awkward. Yeah. So knowing how to make those transitions more graceful is a key. And I always say we've all been to events when people say to me, what, what does a planner do? And so I said, we've all been to events where it had great music, great food, great everything, mm -hmm. but the party never got going. And I always say that's poor planning because if you don't, yeah pace it properly, it's not going to be right. Right. My favorite word has got to be flow. Yeah. And if not, it's a battle. I literally just had this conversation this morning with a client who said, the venue wants us to serve all the courses in the first hour and a half. And then we have two and a half hours of street dancing. I said, all right, think about this for a second. If you went out to the most strenuous spin class or aerobics class, You'd be dying within an hour. Can you really dance for two hours and 15 minutes? Right. And you need to come down to be able to go up. Yes. And it's that's the floor. Well, I think people and clients, they don't want it to be formulaic. Mm -hmm. However, certain formulas work because yeah. they make sense. So it's how do you balance both? Um, and that, again, is where I say... I produce because I take into consideration what catering is trying to achieve. I take into consideration what music is trying to achieve, but ultimately I take into consideration what the bride and groom are trying to achieve. And sometimes their knee jerk reaction is I don't want dancing between courses. Mm -hmm. And once I understand the why, 
of what they're reacting to, then I can address it. I, I mean, I would imagine that if, if you have like this really powerhouse, great dance music and everybody's going crazy for like 45 minutes, I think there's a natural sense that people want to cheer at the end and then they want to just be able to have a nice conversation for 10, 15 minutes. Right. I think people, you know, I think the biggest reaction to music and catering is always this, I want people to dine and then dance. So how do you balance that, that the evening is not a lull in the beginning and people are so tired because they've eaten a meal mm-hmm. that it gets going at the the last two hours. So it's constantly balancing what that means on the formalities in front. Yeah. And how can you have music and live music still playing during dinner that may not be a full-on blown dance set. Right. But I had one client tell me, she's like, you know, I just want toe tappers during dance, uh, during dinner. And I was like, toe tappers. I love that expression. That's a funny expression. And it's true. Like you want it to be lively. You may not want dancing, but you don't necessarily need it to be background sleepy music. Right. So how, and some people may be inspired that they want to dance. We used to call that Sade music. Yes. Not going to offend anybody. Right. It's easy to sway to, kind of got a little, yeah. little island vibe. And it's not toe, tappers. Gonna, toe, tappers. It. toe tappers. Toe tappers. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So I think then that's my, for me, that's really how I approach everything is understanding the why so I can address what they may be responding to mm. so strongly. And if you understand the why, you can address it in a way that makes sense to not kill a party, but to address what they're concerned about. That's where I go back to the integrity and the that an, a wedding should be an elevation of their day-to-day. Like, I don't think a wedding should be this grand stage to become a couple that there are only these one chances. I remember when I was engaged and my husband and I went to go register. Um, and there was so much pressure, even for me, like I had to select a China pattern and this China pattern was going to live with me forever. I don't think I even use my China now. And I use so many things in terms of, so I think that you have to give yourself, like, don't put so much pressure on being like this first time ever, um, or the first time as a couple that you're entering into a space. For me, I think it should be, be relaxed and true. I mean, you want to be gracious, but I think that as the bride and groom, if you are having fun and you're on the dance floor, people will be on the dance floor. If you want to move people to the after party, you need to move it, you know? So I think that people are there to celebrate you, but they want you to be you, the collective you. And they know who you are. Correct. So what's the one advice in party? What are the last things you say to me? Be present and have fun because the night goes by so quickly, whether you're in New York City or in a remote destination just enjoy so it's a time that you want people to detach and enjoy the moment yeah detach detach and engage yeah (laughs) well thank you for this this is appreciate it my pleasure okay oh it's hot in here so that's jennifer zabinski how great is she um as usual feel free to drop me a note best places on instagram i'm at doug winters inc and Jennifer is at Jay-Z Events. 
My website is Doug Winters Music, and hers is JC Events. That was really great. Thank you so much for doing that, Jennifer. I will see you all next time. We have a terrific guest who's actually one of the premier event planners in Los Angeles. I know you'll enjoy that. So have a great week. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in a couple of days.